All right, let's go to Psalm 1. I feel like a hammer on this subject or this subject matter a lot, but I think it's necessary. Uh, we're, we're in a world where we're just so much influenced by the world. You know, so much more than it has been in times past. Uh, the world has too much access to us. And so, you know, that the world, the ungodly, they have access to our minds, to our ears. And, you know, long as I can preach, I'm going to cry out against it. And I'm going to mourn, mourn, mourn. Because it's your soul that's at stake. And there's just no such thing as being saved and safe from all of it while you continue to indulge in it. Uh, you, there's just no way. Uh, it'll get you, it'll destroy your soul. And then from there, it destroys your family and other people all around you. So, let's just get into it here. For Psalm 1, we all pretty well know it by heart, don't we? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So the first psalm is a comparison, and it's a vivid description of the righteous and the wicked, of good and evil. And that is a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible. Good and evil. Righteous and wicked. That's all there is. There's not anything in between. You're either in one or the other of those classes of people. There's no, there's not three or four heavens, there are three or four hells. There's heaven and there's hell. And there's eternal separation from God or eternal rest with God. And that's the reason that this book here is so despised and rejected for so many thousands of years now. Why do you think that it is about this book that makes it so hated, that it's been so persecuted, that it's been, that so many attempts have been made to get rid of it, to erase it, they've burned it, they've vowed, so many of those skeptics vowed that when they got unliving, the Bible wouldn't be here. Well, they've been dead forever and the Bible's still here. And Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Not, never, never going to pass away. The word of God will stand forever. So they're not going to get rid of it. it. It uncovers the wicked and ungodly and identifies them for who they are. That is why they hate it so bad. Just like this chapter right here. The ungodly are not so. It gives you how the righteous are, 
what their delight is, how it's going to be with them, what their life's going to be like. And then it says the ungodly are not so. They don't delight in the law of God. And they don't meditate in it day and night. They hate it because it uncovers them and identifies them as wicked. It, it voids their lies and their deceitful ways as they try to justify themselves and make evil good and good evil. We've talked about that a lot. That's the whole thing about evil is that it always turns everything upside down. Truth is a lie and a lie is the truth. Good is evil and evil is good. That's, their, that's the way it works. You see it in living color right now, don't you? In this world that we live in, in so many ways, not just what's going on over there, but, uh, you know, this new Speaker of the House, I saw that there were, they're calling him all kinds of things. They're comparing him with the Taliban and the, and the, the ISIS and all that. He's like that because he believes the Bible. And, you know, that's how absurd evil is and how uh, uh, you know, crazy they are in their view of things. What in the world kind of a mind, heart, soul can look at those two things and say they're the same? The darkness. What darkness? As long as there is the Word of God, they will not get away with their lies. And God has promised that it will be here forever. And that's why. That the preaching of the Word of God is the only way for men to get saved. That's why it is so important. You know, tracks, yeah. All the other things we do, yeah. Singing's wonderful. Music's part of our worship and all of that. But that's not how people get saved. And that's not what does the trick. It's preaching of the Word of God. Not teaching, preaching. Preaching is declaring it. Nothing works like the Word of God. It is the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. It's the power of God unto salvation. So that's why this book's so hated. And this chapter here, just really, this first psalm, six little verses, just really lays it out there. There's a progression here. In this first verse, which have, which, in which happiness diminishes and misery increases. <laughs> there's, there's the counsel of the wicked, of the ungodly, and the way of the ungodly, and the seat of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly, the way, and the seat. Then there's walking, standing, and sitting. Now, it's a progression either way you want to run it. If you want to run it forwards, if you want to run it backwards, it's a progression. You can sit and be scornful and you're going to end up walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Right. Or you can walk in the counsel of the ungodly and you're going to end up sitting in the seat of the scornful. It works both ways. We should ask ourselves if we are in any of these positions and if we're, or if we are separate from this this way altogether because that's what this declares the righteous are free from all of that we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly we don't stand in the way of sinners and we don't sit in the seat of the scornful our delight is in the law of God and in his law do we meditate day and night now 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Would you, can you say tonight that you do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly at all? No, I don't think, I don't think we can. Does the Bible tell us that, that we're blessed if we do? If we, if we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly? If we do keep separate? Yes. It means to be conversant with the ungodly. You understand what I mean? To listen to their ideas and thoughts and opinions. Open yourself up. You know, there's a big push for a few decades here. Be open-minded. To be closed-minded, that's bad. You're, you're to be open-minded. Listen to everybody. I mean, you remember when Jerry Falwell invited Ted Kennedy to come to the Liberty University and present his side to all the college students? Y'all don't remember that. You're all too young. Yes. I remember it. It was scandalous. But he did it. And of course, you see where all that led to now. <laughs> if you know anything about anything, about what's happening, what's going on. You see where that, that road led to? Walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He must have forgot about this verse in the Bible. When he did it. He got to walking in the counsel of the ungodly, wanting to please them, wanting to be, have, be conversant with them. Why, well, it's better. You, everybody needs to hear both sides. Except for the wicked don't feel that way. <laughs> the ungodly don't feel that way. No. They don't feel like anybody needs to hear the side of the righteous, only their side. They want the microphone and they won't let nobody else have it. None of us gets it, that's for sure. They want our children to hear their side. They want to teach our children and influence our children, but they don't want us influencing their children and teaching their children. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. It means to be conversant. It, it's, it's to listen to their ideas and thoughts and opinions. To people who are morally wrong. That's the ungodly. Yet not considered vile sinners. They're usually good people who just don't agree with all that the Bible says or what they think it says. You'll listen to somebody like that. If they're not a... You know, if they get too strong in their blasphemy and stuff, you might back off from them. But if they're just sweet-talking and they'll throw in God here and there and they'll agree with some of what you believe, it opens you up to listen to them. They're ungodly. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly are people who don't regard God in their life or their decisions. Well, now, would that include... Does, is there a strict line there between the people who go to church and the people who don't go to church? No. The ungodly are people who don't regard God in their life or their decisions. There's all kinds of people. I would grant you most of the people who sit in church pews, they don't consider God in their life or their decisions. They do what they want to do. They follow their heart. They follow their lust. They follow their desires. They follow money. Anything but God. Now, that doesn't mean that we should never speak to people like this, but it does mean that we shouldn't be conversant with them in exploring truth and considering their views and opinions. You ought to really not value the opinion of somebody who, who disregards God, 
despises God, hates God, hates God's people, why would you want to entertain their view on anything? Blessed is the man who does not seek understanding through the earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom of blind, ungodly people. And that's what the Bible says. The the, uh, wisdom of the earth, you know, the wisdom of, of of the earth is earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's not the wisdom that descends from above, which is first pure, etc., etc. Easy to be entreated and all of that. <clears throat> the wisdom of the earth is not easily to be entreated, is it? There's something that will certainly steal all your happiness from you. You start listening to the counsel of the ungodly. It'll confuse your mind. It'll unsettle your heart. And you'll lose your moorings. Start listening. Turn it on. Just start listening to them. Listen to their vain talk. Listen to their curious ideas. Their fascinating superstitions. It amazes me. How people believe in the craziest superstitious nonsense. And they won't believe this book right here that is absolutely true, tried and proven true. They reject God who is the author of everything and embrace lies that are so foolish and obvious lies. To walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to set the Word of God aside. And start looking at it through the blinded eyes of people who don't know God or anything about Him. You know, for years, I don't like these Christian movies and TV shows and stuff where they try to portray Christ or God. Or even the people of God. But I said to her the other day, you know, that's interesting because we were talking about this. It gives you an eye into what those people, how they perceive God and God's people. The ones who make those moves, how they perceive God. He's always angry. And it's always got a minor key. It's always in a minor key. There's always darkness about it. There's always strictness and and unreasonable... Uh, you know, rules and, you know, the the pure, the holy people, they're always mean in the TV shows, in the movies, anything they present, these ungodly people who don't know anything about God, but yet they're going to make a movie about it and show you a better way to understand it than this book can tell you. And, I'm, and it, it doesn't amaze me. They're dark in their soul. So it is no wonder that they are going to present God in a distorted way. He's their enemy. They're not going to portray him in a right light. You allow them to influence you. You know, you, you they show you pictures and, uh, and, and it gives you an idea. It puts an image in your mind right. of God and of Christ right. that shouldn't be there. It's against the very moral law of God right out of the gate. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. <laughs> well, that image 
Really, it's, it's the, the essence of all that command is that in your mind, what you think, what you picture, what you visualize in your mind, and then you, it, it, you accept that as truth when it's not truth. You're deceived. Idols are a lie. They deceive. They're always an image in your mind. I ought to stay away from that stuff. What is our life all about right now? Images. Images, 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 images. There's always a screen everywhere. That's why there don't need to be one in church. Amen. Get enough of it elsewhere. Thank you. I don't like it. it. Even, you know, they... I just don't like it. I don't want to get sidetracked on that. To, to spend time with the ungodly, listening to their talk, their thinking, their amusement... <laughs> Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What is he talking about? This is what he's talking about. How are you going to walk in their counsel if you don't listen to it? If you don't listen to what they say? If you don't uh, watch what they show you? How are you ever going to, how are you going to walk in their counsel? You're not going to know it if you don't look at it. You're not going to know it if you don't let them have your ear. It is to behave or to conform your behavior to thinking like the ungodly. You think your thinking ever changes? You better believe it does. What you listen to, who you listen to, changes the way you think. To start talking like them and acting like them in common conversation and activities. Is there anything in you that resists that? Or do you just pick up on everything that you hear from this world? I, I see it all the time. I hear it all the time from people who claim to be Christians. They, they, every little thing comes along in the world, every little saying, every little uh, oath, what do you call those things? Uh, minced, mixed, minced oath, yeah. They, they, they're just full of it. You know, that's saying, that's taking a, a profanity, changing one letter, and going ahead and saying it. Exactly. I hear it all the time. Out of the mouths of people, it's supposed to be Christians. Right. It's unclean. It's wrong. It comes from a, the ungodly. It, you don't hear that in church. You're not going to hear it here. You're not going to hear me say it. Where are you getting it? The ungodly. Because you're listening to them. You pick up their language. You start acting like them. You start uh, dressing like them. Your appearance becomes like them. Hairdos. You know, everything. Mannerisms. All their little signs they make and stuff. You make all those finger signs they make. You know what they mean? Of course not. You just do it because you see them do it. It looks cool. And everybody's cool, does that? You'd be wise to figure out what that means. All these profane signs that people make with their hands, you know, that, didn't, that wasn't invented in the last two or three decades. That's been forever. Ever. It's always been profane. And everybody knows it. So why, why do we pick up things like that and just do it? Ignorant. Because you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Because they got your ear. Because they got your eye. They got your attention. They got your admiration. 
You want to be like them? You want to be accepted by them? You want everybody to think you're okay with them or one of them? Fads and obsessions, everything that comes along, take up everything the world does, take it up with them. Is there anything in you, I'm asking you, that resists that? There is in me. If they do it, I ain't doing it. I'm going to make a special effort not to do it. Not to say it that way. Not to look like that. If they come up with these obsessions and fads, whatever it is, I ain't doing it. I don't care if it is something good. You say, you're just crazy. No, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. If you if you don't have a problem with being conformed to this world. Because the Bible is strictly all the way through. It commands us not to be conformed to this world. And it ought to be something we strive at. And put an effort toward is not being conformed to this world. Not being like this world. But people laugh at me. Well, that's real deep faith and commitment you got there. That's real love for Christ. He bore your shame, but you can't stand for somebody to smirk at you or laugh at you or point at you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And you ought to just look in the mirror and face the truth about yourself. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, I'll be ashamed of you. Don't you think it hurts him when you're ashamed of him? Ashamed to be identified with him? What identifies you with him? When you're not conformed to this world. When you won't fall in line and in step with this world. In the way you dress, in the way you talk, in the things you listen to, in the things you participate in. And and jump on every bandwagon that comes by from the world. I ain't doing it. I advise you not to do it. Taking up or doing things that are popular among the ungodly. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's good enough for me right there. That's good enough for me to not drink any liquor. That's good enough for me to not have any piercings. That's good enough for me to not have any tattoos. That's good enough for me to stay out of the places of the world where they gather to do all their evil. Yeah. Their sports, their... Their Disneyland's and their movie theaters and everything. That's no. That's enough for me. Stay out of it. Yes, sir. You just you can have it if you want it, but you'll be sorry. You're making a bad trade. Yes, Walking in the counsel of the ungodly, it's making our decisions with them in view, and being influenced in our choices and decisions by how we think they would react or think of us. You got an eye toward them. Man pleaser. That's what it is, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You want their favor. You don't want their scorn. So you'll conform to avoid it all. See? So you make your decisions about everyday life choices. About the music you listen to. About how you present yourself. About how you, your appearance and how you... Everything. You, you do it with them in mind. Because you don't want to be an eyeball, of course. You don't want to draw attention to yourself and, and ha- be ridiculed or anything like that. That's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. 
This can be a person who's still in church and still fellowshipping with the righteous. Maybe they're not scornful yet, but and they still have affection for the good people of God, have affectionate feelings toward the people of God. But when pressed, they'll stand with the righteous and take their part. See, I'm talking about you can walk and be in fellowship with a person like this, who's half in and half out, who's walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but not committed to it, not out and open, not sitting down, not standing in it. They're just, they're playing both sides. <clears throat> Stay away from somebody like that. You better not be conversant with somebody like that who's trying to play both sides because they'll generally still step over on the side of God and yield what his word says if they're forced to choose and many people who go to church and profess to be Christians live like that and are walking in the counsel of the ungodly and they're not committed to that way but neither are they committed to the way of righteousness that's the deal they're not really committed they're just they're at that point where they're afraid to turn loose but but they're going to. They're going to. Because this is a progression. You walk in that way and you do all these things I've been talking about and you're a goner. You're a goner. It's just a matter of time. And you're going to stand with them. You're not going to enjoy all that. And you're not going to identify with all that. And you're not going to allow all that to control your decisions and desires and everything. And, <clears throat> and not go join them. You'll do like uh, Obama and evolve. Your opinions will evolve. And your knowledge and understanding will evolve into the point where you can see how they're right and these people are wrong. Good and evil change places. See? It's the work. That's the way it works. <coughs> Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, standing is not walking. We understand that, don't we? When you stand, you've stopped walking. You're standing still now. You see, I preach real complicated things. And you have to really listen to catch it. Because it's deep. When you're standing, you're not walking. You stop moving. To stand is to stop moving. It is to be in a fixed position. You get it? It's a gesture of determination. It's when you set yourself. You say, this is where I'm standing. When we stand for something or we stand against something, we don't sit against it or sit for it. We don't walk for it or walk against it. No, when we stand, that means we've made up our mind. Standing in the way of sinners. His fellowship is not so changeable now. He's chosen sides. And he's made up his mind where he stands. This is the progression that happens. I've seen it played out over and over and over through the years in people that I've known. This is the way it happens. They flirt with it and flirt with it and they mess with it and play with it until finally they just, all of a sudden, one day, they're standing there. They're not messing with it anymore. They're one. They openly... Stand and acknowledge. Now he considers himself one of them more than one of these. 
To stand with the ungodly is to take another step away from God. It is to stand with sinners. Stand with sinners. Think about it. Criminals against God. Those who actively oppose and resist God. The ungodly. He identifies himself with them before everyone. The whole world's standing now. They're taking their stand. They're standing for evil or they're standing for what's right. Are there more standing for what's right or more standing for what's evil? What does it look like? It looks like more people are standing for the evil. It's unbelievable, isn't it? You can't imagine a mind that thinks like that. But yet they've walked with that in that council and in the in that darkness until it has become to them truth. And truth is a lie. There is no truth other than what they believe and what they see. In John chapter eight, 18 verse 4 and 5, this is where Judas comes to Jesus in the garden. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Now, just a little while before, Judas was sitting with the Lord and the disciples. Now he's standing with them. In his blinded and deceived mind, he's found himself. You hear this. This is what they talk about. And they find themselves and discover what they're really supposed to be, what they're really meant to be. This is what the homosexuals say. This is whatever every sinner says when he finally sees the light. They use that expression, you know. It used to mean he saw the light. They talk about somebody got saved in church, now they go to church and all of that. Nah, that's not what it means now. They see the light. The angels, the devil is an angel of light. Did you know that? Yes. Lucifer. Do you know what? You know how you say light in Spanish? Lucifer. Uh, do you know that word is, that, that the meaning of that word is light. He's an angel of light. Therefore, it's no wonder, marvel, if his ministry be trans, transformed into the ministers of righteousness. He's an angel of light. He appears as an angel of light. So they think they've been, I heard it here a while back, somebody who got to walking in the council of these kooks and devils they said this they saw the they've been enlightened i have been enlightened and you just don't understand you us we don't understand because they've been enlightened enlightened to forsake god to mock the bible to blaspheme christ they've been enlightened in their blinded and deceived mind, they find themselves and discover what they're really meant to be. There was a Christian, uh, contemporary Christian singer. Uh, this has been probably 15, 20 years ago. Her name is Jennifer Knapp. She's a lesbian. And 
She said this, and, and I want you to notice this. This is weird. When people talk about themselves in third person, that's weird. I, you know, Ashley did that when she was a little bitty, when she started talking. She'd come in and she'd say, she wants a drink. Well, she was talking about herself. She don't like that. She don't like that. This, this woman here, she says, God has always known she would walk this path. Now, she said that about herself. What's multiple personalities? Well, that's what the psychologists call it. What does the Bible call it? Demon, Demon possession. Yep. Evil spirits. I would rather be judged before God as being an honest human being, she said. If I am in any way unpleasing in his sight, I can only hope and pray that he gives me the opportunity to find who I am supposed to be. Okay? <laughs> I can take the Bible and show you that you are not supposed to be what you're saying you are. Right. I can show you for sure that God says you ain't supposed to be that. She going to listen to that? Nope. Does she really hope and pray that she can find out who she's supposed to be? Nope. No, of course not. She saw the light. This is what she's always supposed to be. The devil convinces you. See, that's what the that's that's the battle that went on in the mind. And her lust and her mind submitted to this. Listen to this one. She said, I'm not capable of getting into a the the theological argument as to whether or not we should or shouldn't allow homosexuals within our church. But she said, there's a spirit that overrides that for me. And what I've been gravitating to in Christ and why I became a Christian in the first place. So she's not capable of talking about it. Because you don't know what the Bible says. But there's a spirit that overrides all that anyway for her. Yeah. She says it plainly. She don't understand what she's saying. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Standing in the way uh, of sinners. You made up your mind. Everything you believe is invalid. It's not true, according to the truth. But it's true to you because you've deceived yourself and you've lied to yourself and you have convinced yourself that you're okay like you are because some a spirit has told you. You're, you just feel it. You feel it in the philosophy, the philosophy of the ungodly sinner is always based on fulfilling your selfish desires and lusts. That's what their philosophy is based upon. What they believe is based upon fulfilling their selfish desire and self-indulgence. Doing what I want, having it my way, doing what I please, when I want, with who I want, wherever I want. And so everything they believe is based on and worked around that. And that's what the that's temptation is always aimed at our selfishness. Not actually to convince us to make Satan our God and worship him. The temptation is always to have it our own way. Wasn't that in the garden? Did the devil say to uh, to Eve, I want you to fall down and worship me? 
He said that to the Lord, but not to Eve. What do you, what, and what was the first temptation to the Lord? The first. There's, oh, there's a lot of wisdom right there. The first temptation was please yourself. Take care of yourself. Turn that stone. You're hungry. You better not eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Make that stone into bread. The Bible says you can do it. Please yourself. No. The Bible says even Christ pleased not himself. If any man come after me, if any man will follow me, he must first deny himself. And the devil says, you got to have it, you got to please yourself. You know, they, I, I even heard a preacher on the radio say that you can't love your, anybody else until you love yourself. <laughs> well, he ain't a minister. He's appearing to be a minister of righteousness, but that's not, that's, that's a lie. That's the devil's talk. That's the devil's message to everybody. Me first. But to have our way is a lie. It's really to be manipulated by the devil to fulfill his will. He's just messing with us. He's just lying to us and deceiving us. The, you know, people that get on meth and drugs and alcohol and immorality and just destroy their life. They had it their way. How'd it turn out for him? Ruined everything. The devil destroyed them. The devil goes about his roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How does he do it? Get you to please yourself. To think highly of yourself. Just like this woman here that we just talked about. So this is where the church member who is, that's where he is, this church member now that's brazen with their ungodly ways. You ever seen them in philosophies? I've seen people in church that are just absolutely, man, full of themselves and full of their own opinions and ideas about everything. They boldly stand and contend with the righteous. They, they have laid the word of God aside completely and now base their morals and opinions on the counsel and the way of the ungodly. You ever been in a church fight? I hope you never have to be. I've been there, seen it firsthand. And that's exactly what it is. I've seen people stand and fight and argue and do everything but cuss and swing their fists at each other in church over stupid opinions of stuff that didn't have nothing to do. It was just a bunch of ungodly people in the church who'd been walking in the council of the ungodly. Now they're going to take their stand in the church and force it. Now he's quit listening to the counsel of God and his people and listens exclusively to the ungodly. He takes refuge and comfort in the fellowship of ungodly people. You can tell who a person is by who their friends are. You can also tell who a fr what a person is by who their enemies are. That's right. Very good and accurate gauge for you. Now, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Sitting is not standing, and sitting is not walking. It's settling into an unmovable position. He's anchored now. He's set down, and, and it's real interesting. If you get your Bible and you look those words up in a strong concordance, here's what the definition is. He sits down as a judge in ambush. In ambush. He's sitting... The seat of the scornful, he's looking at everybody. 
finding fault with everybody, judging everybody, looking for dirt on everybody. He's just laying in an ambush. Ambush. You know what that is? There's different words for it. Bushwhacking. Waylaying. I mean, you hide and attack somebody and try to kill them. That's ambush. And that's just exactly what the meaning of these words are. That sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Scornful is to have contempt, disdain. It's acting in defiance or disregard. Well, that's, that's a lot different than just walking in the counsel of the ungodly and listening to them talk and entertaining their ideas and opinions and see what they know and all of that. This is a whole different thing. It's progressed to this. Acting in defiance or disregard. It means to deride, to laugh at, to ridicule, to treat with scorn or contempt. Has anybody ever treated you that way? Because you're a Christian and, and how you live? Because you dress the way you do? Because you homeschool your kids? Because you go to a certain church? Because you believe certain things? Because you won't participate in certain things? You ever have anybody ridicule and scorn you? We just got past the devil's day yesterday. <clears throat> I didn't even pay no attention to it. It was my grandpa's birthday. I remembered that. I never even thought of it last night. Didn't even think of it. I saw one preacher this morning bragging about not passing out any candy. Didn't do that. Today's the day of the dead. Did you know that? In Mexico, this Halloween wasn't a big deal. Today was. They got skulls and skeletons and black flowers everywhere. You know, the day of the dead. Celebrate the day of the dead. And if you ever read about Halloween, you'd know what this is. Halloween is the day before the day of the dead. It's all connected together and it's all darkness and occult and all of that. Boy, you better not say nothing against it. No, sir. <clears throat> a few years ago, I knew a preacher not far from here got on it a little bit and they liked to crucify him. Yeah, his own members. Because they like to dress up like witches. Yeah. <laughs> better not say nothing against Christmas. You know. That's a that's a sacred cow. That's an idol. You better not touch it. Right. Yep. Hmm. Scornful. Sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Make fun of. Laugh at. Hold in derision. Ridicule. Well, if you do, if if I do say something about these things, what do people? How do they react? Anger. I'm talking about the ungodly. How would they? How do they react? They laugh, they ridicule, and then they're angry too, and they hold you in contempt. They have contempt for you. They they think you're worthless. He watches from a fixed position for any opportunity to criticize and discredit the righteous and the Word of God. Instead of all this way of sinners and the pitfalls it contains, the godly man finds his conversation and counsel in the Word of God. 
Psalm 1 verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then he has this reward promised in verse 3, And he shall be like a tree that planted by the rivers of water. What does that tell you? That's going to be a healthy tree. That's going to be a strong tree. It's going to have all that it needs. All the water it needs that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Oh, there's so much there. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now that's the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't conform, doesn't converse, doesn't mingle. Stay, he stays away from that. And he finds his wisdom here. He finds his delight here, not with them. Whatever he needs for his soul, his heart, his mind, he can find it here. He doesn't have to go to them and listen to them to understand anything. He realizes that to listen to them is confusion and will bring distress and sorrow and instability to his life. So, sanctification and peace, that's what he gets. And patience and fruit that endures from his righteous life. Sound like a good deal to me. I think you'd be a fool to pass up that. I think you'd be a fool to choose the other way and get what they got coming. Those who do not heed the warning will end up with the lot of the wicked. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They can stand in the way of sinners, but they're not going to stand in the judgment. Where do you think they're going to be? Every knee shall bow, and every tongue yes, shall confess. Yes, they're not going to stand in the judgment. They can hold their head up now, but they won't be holding their head up then. <clears throat> Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous because there's going to be a great separation and God is going to separate the chaff from the wheat, the wicked from the righteous. He's going to separate everything else. <clears throat> Nobody's going to question Him. Nobody's going to second guess Him. There's not going to be an appeal. There's not going to be another trial. Not going to be another chance. God has judged and there is not going to be a sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And that's wonderful right there. The way of the righteous. It's a way. It's not just a decision you make one time. It's a way. Yes, you can be in the way a long time. And you can make mistakes all along the way. But if you're in the way of the righteous, the Lord knows it. That's why we can be thankful here tonight. If we've been in the way a long time and we can see all of our mistakes and stumbles and realize God still loves me and God's guided me and helped me through all of these things, that's, that's reason to rejoice and shout and thank God. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked shall perish. Their life is a complete vanity, worthless. And time will erase the fact that they ever lived. 
Do y'all realize that? Our names, if you're saved, are written in heaven. There'll never be a time when it will be as if I never lived or you never lived if your name's written in heaven. But when the final judgment is done and death and hell are cast into the lake of fire and whosoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire, there will be no more remembrance of them. Ever. Think about that. Their remembrance is erased. They're gone. The way of the wicked, the ungodly, shall perish. Eternity will be likewise void of anything for them but misery and loss. And all of their way will perish. All their foolish wisdom and pride based upon their own lust and blinded minds will disappear from existence. Hallelujah that that day is coming. When the wicked will be separated, they'll be put away from the presence of God into outer darkness forever. They'll never, never, ever disturb God's creation, God's people ever again. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears, no more sickness. No more lies, no more betrayal, no more hatred, and no more killing, and, and no more of this uh, slander and scorn and evil. Never. No more. See, this little chapter just puts it all down for us. Let me read you a couple of verses and we'll quit here. So, uh, Proverbs 1.10 My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. First chapter of Proverbs, Solomon wrote this, my son, because he knew it was going to happen. Sinners are going to entice you. They're going to invite you. They're going to try to get you on board. Consent thou not. Don't do it. Say no. Stay away from them. It's the way of the wicked. Proverbs 23, verse 17, Let not thine heart envy sinners. But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Why would anybody envy sinners? Well, because of all the stuff they've got and all the riches they've got and all the fun they're having. <laughs> Don't let your heart envy sinners. I'm sad. What did we sing the other night? I'm satisfied with a cottage below. Can't you just be content with whatever you've got? And not look at them and say, why do they have so much? And Why do their eyes stand out with fatness? And why is there no bands in their death? And why do they not have any cares at all? That's another psalm. And he, when he got to thinking about that, he, he said, I was, boy, I was just about ready to slip. So said, I've cleansed my, my hands in vain. I'm wasting my time trying to live for God because look how good they got it and look at me. I'm a poor man and lightly esteemed. But he said, then I went into the house of God and then I understood their end. And he changed his course back. See, that's what we're talking about. Their end is not good. One more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them. Who's them? It's the world. It's the ungodly. It's those who are conformed to this world. 
who live after this world. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Promise of God. So it all just comes down to whether you want God or whether you want this world. You want the praise of men or do you want the praise of God? Is it more important to you what this world thinks about you? Or is it more important to you what God thinks about you? And you'll make your decision and your choice along the way somewhere. You're going to make your stand. Avoid it. Say no to them. Come out from among them. Take your delight out of here. There's plenty here to delight in. Amen. All right. Well, that's it. It's what we need. Think about it tomorrow. When you start in your day and your habits and your things you do, the things you think, listen to, look at, read, watch. Think about it. Very subtle. The devil, he, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the devil is subtle. He'll get you. <clears throat> he'll broadside you before you even know what's happening. He'll slip in the door. <clears throat> before you know he's there. It's like a snake in your house. Or a mouse. You don't even know when they come in, but they're in. And that's, that's the way it works. Best way to do is stay away from them. There's plenty to fill your mind, your life. Plenty to think about without sliding your feet under the devil's table. Father, thank you for the Word of God and for the truths we talked about here tonight. Help us all. Lord, we need your help. We need your Spirit to check us, to guide and direct us, to lead us in this dark world that we live in. So dangerous, so perilous for everybody, all of us. But especially for these children and these young people. Lord, please help us. Help them. Work in our hearts. Draw us close to Thee. Help us to understand the dangers of these, of these times that we're living in. And all these things that we're allowing to influence us and affect our thinking. Lord, help us. So dangerous. Bind the devil, I pray. And keep him from deceiving us, these young people, I pray. Get us home safely, Lord, I pray. And watch over us through the week. Meet the needs we prayed about earlier. And watch over these traveling tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen.